Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Hello, and welcome to the Static Void yeah. Podcast. I'm Jess Chadwick. I'm Todd Slater. And I'm Chris Gomez. And we are your hosts. We're recording this on the evening of May 16th, 2016, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about something that Todd and I in particular have been debating for quite some time, and I know that Chris has some pretty strong thoughts on it as well, (laughs) and that is the web browser as a development platform. Uh, The three of us have been in the industry for roughly 20 years or so each, Um, so we've seen the evolution of the web as a platform and experienced all of the pain along the way. Um, and, and, and now we've seen it kind of evolve a little bit and get a little bit more mature and we've all been spending a lot of time developing in it lately. So Todd, I think I'm going to hand the floor over to you to begin with. Um, just because I know that, uh, you and I have had some mighty big debates over the past couple of years about this. So I'm eager to get into it. Yes. Let me get on my soapbox. Serverlet was awesome. We should have kept Serverlet. We're all done <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, yeah, Jess and I have talked about this for a while. That as a platform, the web browser is very good for content type stuff, or e-commerce, or video streaming things you typically would do in a web site. Where it kind of presents challenges and things to deal with is when we start thinking about web applications, particularly if we talk when we talk about stuff we'd kind of build every day, which are line of business or high end dashboard type applications. Things start to break down. We still got to deal with the DOM. We have to deal with memory management and all these things that you typically need to deal with in an application. And it's still complex. It's still hard. And while a lot of frameworks like jQuery and Angular and, and React and stuff have come on the scenes, they're really add-ons to the experience. And some of them can be really complex to work with. And sometimes if you try to mix like Angular and jQuery, you end up having to jump through all these different hoops that it's just still a pain point, particularly around dealing with the DOM, memory management, even navigating between different pages in a single page application. It's it's challenging. It's really hard for developers to get started, and you end up with this sort of JavaScript soup, which you have to deal with when you start a new project. Do I want to use framework X or framework Y? What version? What version of these things work on what browsers? It just ends up being this big mess to deal with. Yeah, that's it's hard. That's a great introduction. <laughs> I yeah. think that is definitely at least an hour's worth of fodder right there. <laughs> yeah, it's super painful, right? Um, and I guess if you've been around enough to have watched this thing grow, it grew organically. It yeah. was the simplest thing that could possibly work to let you uh, go to GeoCities and make a page about your cats. <laughs> make some blinking text. And anyone could do it, though. All yeah. you needed was Notepad and and yeah. HTML as our you know HTML has arcane crap in it still, I mean, it, and it's never going to go away. And yet, you could sort of learn it by watching, just by looking at other people's pages, and uh, a whole like this whole group of people entered our industry because they were willing to pick up that HTML, and and I I actually think that the software developers took the web back <laughs> because right, but it's our web, you know, it wasn't that long ago that if you knew HTML and then maybe you knew a little bit about this arcane thing called flash um, oh. and a little bit of Photoshop. So you could make your own images and backgrounds and stuff. You were the web developer. And those of us who were living in MFC land or maybe on other platforms with C plus plus or C were like, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to build things for that thing. So I think uh, right right off the bat, I really want to kind of draw a line in the sand in terms of uh, of what development is, what web development is. So the topic of this show is browser as a as a development platform. And while what you just described, meaning create some HTML, maybe create a little bit of JavaScript to to add a little bit of behavior to that HTML, um, but basically just creating pages and those pages had a little bit of behavior in them. That was development, maybe. 15, 20 years ago, but where I'm really trying to draw the line in the sand here now, and feel free to disagree with me, is that development now is much closer to that kind of spa model, right? Where you kind of hit a page, you hit an HTML page, and it loads a whole bunch of stuff, and you don't really leave that page very much, right? It may look like you leave that page, right? You may have transitions within that page that even look like kind of a page navigation, but you're kind of sitting at that one HTML, that one URL, right? That one HTML right. page. You yep. never really, really leave from there. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, that's where I feel like we are, that's development at this point. And yep. the stuff Great. that used to be development is really just, very interactive pages at this point, right? So adding a little bit of behavior to some click handlers or, or things like that, or maybe even submitting a form through an Ajax request versus, you know, actually a, a full page post. Um, but not right. Not, not like a highly immersive application. Yeah. So I think Chris, you mentioned that, that it really kind of took off. And I think the biggest thing that, that made it take off is that it was just, as you said, it was easy to kind of get started um, and learn the, the fundamental concepts, although to learn them, to do them right was, took a lot more, <laughs> a lot more work, um, and a lot more learning, but it, it was just very easy to deploy changes. Oh, yeah. Those were the conversations that we had all the time. So like in the early two thousands, I had a, a bunch of conversations of, do we go thick client or do we go web, right? So it was, people were still really kind of um, anxious and, and really untrusting of the whole web thing and they weren't really bought into it, right? And so, and and having things like Flash around and eventually Silverlight kind of clouded the waters even more. Like here's kind of a quote, thick client that you can deliver through the web, right? So that seems like the perfect middle ground. Um, but even taking those out of there, they're like thick clients where we run installers and everything, especially in a business setting, a line of business setting where we kind of control everything internally, they were still a really viable uh, option. But it seemed like web kept winning out yeah. for really one main reason, and that was ease of deployment, deployment right. of updates, right? The IT the, department, the idea... even when they had complete control, still hated deploying fit client versus, oh, yeah. hey, just go to this link. Yeah. And I think that still wins today. I mean, it's, I think that's yeah, still right. what's oh, yeah. driving it. You can even just like put bookmarks in a document or you can – I remember there was a time when I would start a new job and the the browser that was installed like already had company links in a folder. Like they made yeah. it part of your profile. And yeah. 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 Super simple. Always updated. You never have to worry about update. It's just yeah. what's the current state of the app. It's evergreen. Which or is funny, we had evergreen intranet sites before we had evergreen browsers. Yeah, right. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or in, in addition to those those pre-installed browser links, you just have a page, right? That That is the one link you need. And then from there, you've got everything else or or a portal that you can you can get to, right? And so that's, that's kind of a regular web page that kind of links off to, quote, web applications. Yeah. So the reason I brought up earlier about the simplicity of the static web 
and and I think we'll move on from this, is that I still respect a site that knows when not to get distracted by being a single page app. Yep. Um, I, yeah. And I don't necessarily think it has to be one or the other. I think that a, a really well thought out design might say these sections are really just landing points. Yep. And if we give the user a good experience to get to the browser app, where we're now we're, like you said, Jess, one request. And from here on out, it's all Ajax. Then I, I respect when I see that. I say, yeah. hey, you've really yeah. thought about the experience. But, you know, you're right. From this point, I imagine the pain is building that app, building the single yeah. page style app. And I get really disappointed and frustrated f uh, on the other way, too, where you see you come across this site that's just a complete spa and it's just completely gratuitous. You're like, you know, this is yeah. just content. What are you doing? Right. What are you yeah, doing? Sure. This I, isn't an I app. I think the one area that that's sort of there's still complexity that we have to deal with today compared to even four or five years ago is the idea of responsive design. Mm. The idea oh, of yeah. trying to have one, even a content site, respond. Mm -hmm. You yeah. still have to start relying on frameworks. Something like a bootstrap where you have lots of CSS, but you also now have JavaScript that's trying to run things. Yeah. And even just that, adding that simple requirement of I want this to be able to stretch to different resolutions of things, it adds a lot of overhead and a lot of complexity just to do that. Where something, if it was more built into the browser, I use the example of if you ever worked in, in Java or, or, or server or anything, you had this grid layout. We don't really have that today in, in, in the web. We can add Bootstrap to get something similar, but we're still dealing with this divs and floating divs and all kind of crazy things. It's just not a fundamental thing built into the it, underlying. Yeah, it's a, it's a blank canvas that allows you to do a, a lot of stuff. I I kind of take that as a good thing. I I'm, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. It, it would be nice if you had kind of a built-in grid system, but frankly, that is why I think that frameworks like Bootstrap or Bootstrap itself have really grown in popularity is because it is the grid system of the of the web. Yeah. Right. Like but under it, the covers, it fills they, that gap. Under the covers, why it's presenting you a grid? It's still floating divs and doing all kind of box model. It's adding a lot of stuff that if you need to dive in to figure out what's going on. You get back into the weeds real quick. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, and we get, you know, it's painful too because what is what is uh, a media query for resolution mean when I might be <laughs> in the same resolution here on this, you know, desktop monitor as like my phone? It could be the yeah. same resolution. Yep. What does that mean? Totally. Now, when I have these conversations about responsive design, I like to say I like to give the example of the Surface, the Surface Pro, or the Surface, right? Yep. So it is a tablet. And then you attach a keyboard to it. Right. Nothing has changed. Nothing. You nope. know, it's a tablet with a touch screen, and then you attach a keyboard, and then you remove the keyboard. Has the form factor changed? Nope. Right. Some people might argue yes. Some people might argue no. Right. But the yeah, experience to your changed. point, the the experience changed. You you touch now. Yeah. Yes, you've introduced another input to the to the experience. But to your point, Chris, the resolution hasn't changed. Certainly. Yeah. That, and that's, it's ridiculously hard to detect. Right. And yeah. Right. We learned a long time ago we couldn't design for user agents anymore because new phones were coming out all the time. Yeah, we gave we gave up on up. that. We gave up on yeah. the user agent. Yeah, the server idea. side solution didn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it worked okay when really your browser. What there were like three browsers for a while, and then yeah, yeah now forget it. Yeah, now it's there's no way. We do have a lot of good frameworks like jQuery and Angular JS and stuff and Re React that kind of try to address these things. One of the problems I have with that is I really kind of almost want like a .NET runtime for the web browser, like a common runtime. 
All these things kind of still address the one pain point, which is the DOM, which is definitely a pain point. But doing multi-threading, doing, like I said, responsive design, just doing common application things, maybe I'm just, because I work in the .NET world, it's just so easy to say, I want to use this and just use it. And I don't have to really think about it. Well, JavaScript is the runtime, right? So JavaScript, well, JavaScript is a language, but the JavaScript runtime and the DOM, they are your environment. They are at that .NET level. And then on top of that, these frameworks, Angular, jQuery, whatever they are, they are like the frameworks that you use with, with .NET, right? So I use ASP.NET in .NET. I use WPF in .NET, right? Those are all frameworks on top of that core core runtime. The examples I gave happen to be delivered by Microsoft and, yeah. and centralized, but that it just doesn't matter. They're frameworks nonetheless. Right? I, I guess built my on top point of that is core the, runtime. the DOM is still sort of that central thing you have to deal with. I kind of almost really wish there was a better abstraction or a better way approach, a more common approach that was more universal. So I, I can I can sum up my my thoughts of, of web development and the browser as a dev platform in, in two ways. The the pro for me is that the structure inherently encourages a nice separation of concerns. It encourages it. It doesn't require it or demand <laughs> it. It encourages it. So you've got your HTML as your view, yes. your JavaScript, right? And then even your view is split up into styling that you can put into a CSS, right? Nothing is stopping you from putting inline styles except for conventions and me slapping you on the wrist. But like that, that at, at its heart already is in kind of encouraging you, like put your behavior in your JavaScript put your markup and your layout and everything in your HTML and, and kind of separate those concerns from the beginning. Then from there, you can apply other other concepts like a true MVC framework that introduces things like controllers. So it kind of breaks down the the logic portion of it into a model and a, and a, uh, and a controller, right? And so HTML is still the view, but now you've gotten a little more granular on the code side. But on the on the flip side of it, I do agree with you, Todd, right? Like the, the DOM and the DOM and the JavaScript runtime in particular, they're like, they're like a roommate that you find on, on Craigslist, right? Like <laughs> they, they share the same space, but they do not get along well together. Right. And so it, it, it you have that kind of awkward cohabitation, but they have to work together. And I think that's where a lot of these frameworks really come into play is by helping you avoid those places where they, they conflict or they don't work very well together. You talked about, okay, we have CSS and HTML and JavaScript, and they're all good in separating concerns, but that's also three different things a developer needs to learn. And I think sure. that's also an, an, another pain point to deal with. While we have these frameworks and we have all these tools, as a developer, I have to learn five different things or ten different things to be proficient, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does add to the level of complexity in building these kind of applications. That's true, even in technologies like Silverlight right? You're learning yeah. XAML and you're learning C-sharp. And some might argue that the styling within that XAML is yet another language that you have to learn, right? You know? Well, and then if you want to be proficient with WPF, you're going to get guided towards a pattern, the MVVM pattern. So you have exactly. to learn that too. Yeah, right. So I, I would not say that there's inherently more or less to learn in, in the browser space versus a, a more thick client space. If you think before, like you were talking about 10 years ago, whatever, when people were thinking, I'm going to make a thick client or I'm going to make a, a web client, the real choice was I wanted WinForms or WebForms, or I wanted a Windows application versus a web application. And most of the people who come from that background, they never really had to deal with those things, right? They didn't have to think about CSS and stuff. They just pretty much just dragged 
the VB way, right? Drag the text box on and do all what they need to do and wire up the data. Yeah, that's because everything was Battleship Gray and you just <laughs> laid it out in a grid system, right? So, I mean, to your point earlier about there's no grid system in the web, sure. You add Bootstrap. I agree. It doesn't solve everything, but it gets you a, a lot of the way there. But I mean, if you want to go into the uh, website and go and put XY coordinates on everything and do absolute sizing and positioning, <laughs> just like you did in a web, in a WinForms application, go for it, right? Like, so uh, yeah. let me, let me, let me kind of narrow this down a little bit more. What, what is your ideal uh, development environment or your ideal development platform? Let's go from there and kind of compare and contrast to that. So I guess what I'm kind of looking for is, and I use .NET as sort of as an example, a unified platform where I just simply want to do threading. So I want to do a using browser.threading, and it's there. I don't care under the covers how Chrome does it or Firefox does or whatever. I just want to have that common interface to work with. Same thing with um, HTTP request, right? I mean, we can the way to use with jQuery or XML HTTP is fairly standard, but it's still a it's still lots of plumbing code I have to work with. Where if it was just simply like a .NET is web client, or even how Angular does it, HTTP client, it's just easier to work with. Um, probably the biggest challenges I see are the DOM, dealing with needing to totally change the UI. We're talking about single page applications. You have to do a lot of DOM manipulation to change things. And then multi-threading is probably the other area I've seen all right, have all a right. lot of complexity. So, multi-threading, I got to come back to. We've said it a lot. Yeah. We humans, we're terrible at writing threaded code. Yes, we're, we're just really <laughs> bad at it. And our languages don't help us. And and I think one of the things that actually made JavaScript sort of work is the fact that they said, we're going to be single threaded. And if you have some work to do, go schedule go schedule something. And we'll get yeah. to it in the event loop. Yeah, And done. yeah, that definitely was a paradigm shift for those of us who were used to just like creating a background thread. But the fact of the matter is we were working in evented systems already. Now, I know that web workers is an attempt to try and give us the ability to really spin up compute somewhere else. But the thing that bugs me is we're really, really bad at reasoning about code that says, okay, you know, this function might be running when another one is. And what JavaScript guarantees you, like you can just throw all that away. Because you know every line of code is not running alongside another one un- until you bring in something like web workers, but they do happen in an isolated space, right? So, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I, and I also know that the languages that are popular in the world, so if I just say, you know, things like, well, the languages that were popular for the last 20 years, .NET and Java, just let you hang yourself with multi-threading. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think even the the comment that we just had in the questions is that yes, we are breaking ground heading towards languages that really try to to push you towards doing this the right way, but it's not what people are using. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of looking at it very similar to applications I've built over the last four or five years. We've had a lot of stuff for time where we just need to be able to go off and get data from a, another system, or while the chart control is being rendered, I want to be able to let the user do other things and not be blocking. And if you get these more and more complex applications, I'll call them desktop-like applications, it's really hard not to have spinners on your screens because you don't want the user to do anything because it's spinning around doing something. But, I mean, like we, said, already, we already defer, like, a web request 
to, you know, to the event loop. So it eventually responds, right? I mean, the rendering can continue. Yeah, and I don't think that's a, a, I don't think that's a browser specific issue to be blocking the user from entering input while you're waiting for a request to complete, right? You have that same issue whether it's a thick client or or a web browser client. Well, in in thick clients, in some platforms, WWF's example, you can easily separate that out so the UI thread is never blocked. Well, in JavaScript, yes, the the AJAX call is sort of like that, but what if you need to make six different AJAX calls? Or I'll give you a real-world use case. I had a case where the user wanted to be able to keep typing in the grid, but every time they made a change, it had to sync to the server. So that's why we had to use web workers. We had to almost queue up things so that the queuing back to the server didn't prevent them from being able to type things in. Well, I've seen people just using Reactive Framework for JavaScript or something or Bacon and accomplish something that's very similar. Again, there there are frameworks that do let you do it. Just using Promises gives you some of the same stuff. I mean, you don't but these have are all to different use a framework. framework. JavaScript yeah. itself is flexible enough that you can build that yourself it's just heck somebody else already built it right i'm yeah why should i build a reactive functional framework when i could just use bacon my part of my point though is if you had a universal api we'll call it or, or, or platform to work with you wouldn't need to care if it's bacon or not right or you build the plug in bacon or whatever else when you want to use bacon you have to go learn how to use bacon if I want to use Q, I have to go learn how to use Q. But, but now let's look at what happened in .NET here. And I'm not going to be able to speak for our, our friends over in Java land, right? How many different ways are there to make a web request in .NET now? And how many different asynchronous <laughs> plat- uh, patterns do we have? I think we have four now. Right. And and to go further on the uh, on the Ajax request in, in .NET, I think you said or at least implied earlier that it was easier or simpler to make that request in .NET. It's not. You know, you still, even the web client that you referred to, that's still a several lines of code. You create a new one, build the request, execute the request, respond yeah. to it. It's That code looks almost exactly the same in the browser. I work with some really smart Java guys and they were looking at .NET code and they were using, they weren't using the system.NET HTTP web space. You know why? Because they just like Googled and found a way to do it. And the article was a little old. So they were using the older stuff. And yeah. so here I have to come, right? And this isn't a complaint. They're brilliant guys, right? It's just that here I come along only with the benefit of experience to right. say, oh, you should be using the newer version. And they look right. at you like, well, how would you possibly know? And you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't. Right. There's no way you can possibly know. Right. But wouldn't that happen in the JavaScript space? Like, like, like you just said, let's add a reactive framework right in. Let's just build it right in. But then someone like Jess comes along. I'm going to pick on you, Jess, and says, yeah, you did an okay job there, but I wish I had a little bit more. So here's my improved version. Yep. Sounds like something I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, I'm, I'm kind of looking at this more of standardization, maybe to a degree. I, I know the WC3 has even talked about some of this stuff as sort of a future thing they want to work on coming up, but they call it the open web platform, of a common way certain things are just done. Yeah. Today we rely on our frameworks, right? And yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Angular, a big fan of jQuery, but for some people they don't want to use them. Or for some scenarios it's it's overkill or it adds complexity. Just because we have frameworks that solve these problems, they're not necessarily the right, they're like add-ons or band-aids to the problem. We're still dealing with the underlying problem. So I don't it. necessarily disagree with that. I, I think the reason that both Chris and I are, are just jumping on top of you is that the, the point we're trying to make is when we compare to the browser-based development to something like .NET, these problems, these issues that you're talking about, we're not saying they're not issues. We're just saying that these are they exist in pretty much every development platform, right? They're not specific or unique to the web. 
Yeah, they might yeah. manifest themselves differently, like the web web uh, memory management. Right. We might not have mature <laughs> tooling to 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 handle that very well. Or I completely agree with you in terms of doing asynchronous code and and web workers and everything that 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 solves. Yeah, that's that's still a relatively immature space. But all of these other problems that you're talking about, to to Chris's point earlier, you know, threading, async await, and just parallelism. Like humans are just inherently bad at that. So that's going to be right. difficult uh, in any platform. Like we had no thread safe collections in .NET until what halfway between the beginning and now. Yeah. yeah I, I, don't, I don't remember when they came in, but I don't, I know it wasn't 2002. <laughs> I, I understand your point. Again, I was just using .NET as an example. No. And, and so you're not wrong. You're not, uh, but so let I me, mean, let me maybe make this point is, is that I think the reason we're stuck with what we have for now, I, I actually think we might have some pathways out. But originally, Java applets were supposed to be that thing, and they didn't work. And there were, I think, some of it was that they were super slow. But the other thing was is that it just turned out that the natural interface of of the document and and even the underlying links gave you know my grandmother affordances mm-hmm. that she just kind of you just kind of knew what to do, mm-hmm. and the back button made sense. Uh, in fact, the back button, I think, makes so much sense that when you look at every browser, it has a prominent place. And we've sort of taken the forward button and said, ah, that, that really confused yeah. people. <laughs> the forward button is crazy confusing, but the back button makes sense. Like, I don't know where I am. Well, maybe you do know where you are. I just want to get back to where I was. Yeah. Undo. 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 And that undo, works, undo, yes. right? Yeah. So it Sometimes. turns out that Java <laughs> applets threw away the affordances. And so we, so we abandoned it. And now, but now you're right, though. Silverlight was promising. I'm even for all of Flash's problems. Forget the technical problems for a moment. Promising, right? Yeah. If, if we just forget some of the technical issues. But in the end, you know what? Oh, well, Microsoft tried other things, like with XBAPs. Like let's use WPF yeah, in the browser. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there definitely are active documents really back in the old days. Right. <laughs> Using the web as a delivery mechanism, right? Yeah. Let's, let's not even pretend it's a browser technology. Let's just use the browser to deliver it. Yeah, well, but what happens is, is that because these things were always shepherded by one company, whether it was Sun or Microsoft or whatever, um, the other companies just said, screw you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Silverlight is never coming here. And that was the end of Silverlight, right? I, I know that Steve Jobs never wrote the letter that Silverlight's never coming here, but he did say it about Flash. Yes. And <laughs> once he said that, we all knew. We're like, well, Silverlight's never yeah. going to the iPhone either. Yep. So we've kind of, they've all, like, to say we, we all pointed guns at each other's heads and said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to stick with the standard we have, but no more. I'm not letting your crap get in here, whether it's, uh, um, what's the language that, that Google's really tried to get in? I'm, I'm going to forget it now and Go? feel terrible. Not well, Go is no, one dart? of them, but. What? Dart. Dart, dart. Right. Dart. Yeah. yeah. Dart was going to be a replacement, right? Why yeah. not Dart? Well, because it's yours. Yes. Right. And then there's this other dual thing that's pushing at us, which is to say, do I really want to make my mobile web browser so good that you won't build apps that I get 30% of? <laughs> yeah, there's that's a, a whole other, that's a, other that's discussion. A different, that's a different discussion. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think we can kind of dispense with that and, and move on because I think there's other really good topics. But I, I feel like, yes, WebAssembly has promise there, but there's this like, Keep the, there's this standoff going on where they're all saying, "I'll support standards, but don't add anything." Yeah, don't you add yeah. anything either? 
because yeah. I won't support it, and then we'll kill yeah. it. We'll kill I mean, it because that's, you. That's ultimately well, part of my pain point is yeah. we're dealing with the lowest common denominator. <laughs> sure, sure. And trying to build applications that adds a super lot of complexity. We are, but the lowest common denominator has gotten really good. Right. That's the, that's the, that has historically been the bi- biggest problem. And that's why in the, in the early 2000s, you absolutely needed a framework like jQuery because jQuery handled the browser incompatibilities. Right. And just the flat out different APIs and sometimes completely missing APIs. But then as everything matured, we don't need that anymore. And so now, the, the kind of web standards have evolved to the fact where you don't need jQuery because the way that you in, that jQuery allowed you to interact with the DOM are kind of right there now in the DOM APIs themselves. You don't need another library. Unless you want to do things beyond the basic stuff. You want to build high-end charts, grids, composite well, sure. I mean, right. So, well, to Chris's point earlier, I have a different way of doing that than you do. So for me, the ability to choose a different framework on top of this core standard stuff than you do is a good thing in my opinion right the 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 variety of frameworks that i have to choose from is a good thing the fact that there is a new one added every 10 minutes <laughs> some people could consider that a good thing some people consider that a bad thing i'm not going to go there um i mean it does if nothing else it adds more variety it adds more choice <laughs> it definitely is. but but aren't we settling i mean haven't we settled like we we adopted the web as this platform because it was easy for us to get started, but now we're trying to add more and more complexity. I feel like we're just kind of settling. We're settling, but we're settling on a very solid foundation, a mature foundation that's been around mature, forever. I'll give you. Solid, it's mature. It's mature, mature right? It's, yeah, mature. So we we mentioned this on previous shows. You you can get through you can get through corporate proxies uh, all you want with HTML and JavaScript, right? So there's other problems I see, kind of all the stuff that because of the way it's it's all open and all those things. I've dealt with cases where we built an application, it worked great, until the user opened another tab and they were streaming YouTube, and all of a sudden it took the browser down, and they're coming back to us. Well, your app's leaking memory. I'm like, no, <laughs> you're opening another tab, or you have 17 toolbars. <laughs> but yeah. again, the yeah. the Modern browser implementations are isolating those processes so you can say, like, go kill this tab. Don't kill my whole browser. Don't steal away my resources. Go and kill this tab. Leave the other one open, right? So then it becomes a process debate, a process argument. So it's it's now the same conversation that you would have even if you had a thick client app. When you open yeah, yeah. YouTube and it's taking system resources away, it doesn't matter whether it's thick client or a browser tab or not. We're settling because it's easy and convenient to do this. That maybe we need to take a step back and start saying, what if we can get all these same conveniences, but we had a like a true host to work with? I, a couple examples I used in, in the notes were like something like Flex or several at a browser. I want all those the tech stuff, but what if I could load my app as a host in a host? It was independent of the browser. Why do you want that? What? Why do you want that? What does that give you above the the common browser so it gives me more control i don't have to worry about the other tabs opening i don't have to worry about toolbars and all the other stuff because i'm fixing my my by platform you have to be concerned about system resources you're still sharing the system resources those are fine yes you are definitely sharing system resources but again you're it's a different kind of experience the other thing is maybe there's ways to bootstrap with certain frameworks like i only want these frameworks and you can package it up like you could like in Silverlight and stuff. And then you only worry about that being downloaded as one thing as opposed to hundreds of things. I, I don't know what you mean by that. I can do that in the web now. I can only choose Angular and jQuery and I'm not going to accidentally get yes. React. No, correct. 
But how many files do you need for Angular? How many files do you need for jQuery? They're all not just one. You need at least three or four if you use the minified versions of them. I can bundle and minify them. I can yeah, control could. them. But how many people are doing that? <laughs> I guarantee you. Oh yeah, I mean, twenty you're or thirty percent, right. maybe. You're are right. Doing that. There's Lots a lot of poor There's well, a lot so, of poor practice with that. Sure. Sure, but there's a there's poor practice everywhere, right? Well, is it any? Is it? Is, are we in a better place <laughs> if we tell people here go install the full framework? Like you know, we, we're mostly a .NET show, so let's. Well, as long as you have .NET 4.6, which is a 200 meg download and install, <laughs> is that a better place? I don't know. Especially when w- there there's a demand from developers to say, can I ship the framework with my app so that that way I don't have to be in that bad place of saying, well, are you sure you're up to date? That's tough. It's yeah, tough. I mean, it's, it, all it's this not better. Tough. I'm just, I'm really trying to think really, like I said, these are the pain points I've seen. And I work with a lot of different developers across different organizations. So maybe as being a consultant where I have to go to every place and try to explain the same thing over and over again, it's the same pain over and over and over again. That with .NET, we're like, here, we're just going to use .NET 4 or 5. Oh, and you're like, saying, okay, you, you're saying you don't have any pain going from different <laughs> development teams that are using .NET. Wow. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> the, the pain is more manageable, put it that way. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. Right, you get people to agree. Uh, that's we'll start with that. People are like, okay, let's do not four or five. The minute you want to say let's use Angular, they'll have the one guy over here wants. Well, I want to use React, and some other guy will be like, ah, we can do everything in native. And then right. you get into what and I version have that of jQuery. Same, you I use. have that same conversation with .NET developers. Are we using Web API? Are we using WCF? <laughs> are we using uh, what's the other one that or I? Or can use? we use F Sharp? One of the open source. Yeah, <laughs> are we using F Sharp? Hey, I like F- Sharp. Post Sharp has a lot of great <laughs> patterns in it. Let's get Post Sharp. Are we all going to get ReSharper on our team? Right. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're gonna have you get you get two developers in a room and you're gonna have two stronger opinions, which is the catalyst for this show, right? Right. We should really use XUnit. Well, if we're gonna use XUnit, we should use TestDriven.net. Oh, well, that's a, gonna cost us money. I mean, those things happen to us too, except they're not free. I don't. Know. So we pay for. I'm, I'm gonna stand by my thing that we are we're settling on using technology that was not designed for the problem we're trying to solve. That's fine, but that fundamental technology, that statement was incredibly true 20 years ago, but as time goes on, people have been trying to fix the web, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and yes, Band-Aids. It has been Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid on top of Band-Aid, but now those Band-Aids have been reinforced with steel, right? And so now, they're no uh, longer Band-Aids, well. they're a strong <laughs> foundation. Me <laughs> I'm... I'm not saying there are no holes. I'm not saying that there are no security concerns, right? I'm not saying it's a perfect platform. I'm saying that given given the trade-offs that you that you have to take, right? The, 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 these issues that are still to a certain extent relevant, the 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 pros are so much more, right? Like this is the most cost device platform you're going to get. Just works experience. Jess, when you do your gnome, they work. How many things need to really be cross platform? That is not an incredibly fair question for me right now because I'm inter- I'm completely internal, right? So I'm not making like public internet applications. I have a very controlled And most of the applications, when I'm talking about line of business and, and, and high-end data visualization stuff, a lot of that's for internal users. Sure, sure. So then you're talking about basically ease of development. So, But then, I mean, if one of your pain points is that you have to learn a whole bunch of stuff, that kind of goes away when you're talking about internal development, right? You guys, you, you focus on certain frameworks and, and, and browsers like we do internally. We have one browser that we support and we have a, a handful, a variety of frameworks that we support and we basically become experts of those. Not to say we, we just ignore everything else and we 
fall behind, right? You have to stay on top. You have to see what new frameworks are out there and how they can help you and everything. But that you just add them to your library and kind of maybe get rid of some of the old stuff, right? A new framework comes in, replaces an old one, but you can really concentrate in on, on certain frameworks. So I'm, I, I don't think, not really understanding your question. I think that's question. a pain point for a lot of places. What? Learning? Well, just standardizing on a set of frameworks and then being able to, hey, we want to upgrade a framework one to two. Sure. There's so many places that are like... Regardless of platform. Yeah, true. I'm, 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 my point is the web is more, because it's more open, there's more of this decision points that have to be made. And as a culture, we tend to have a lot of people who do not want to change things. They want okay. to pick something and stick to it. So if it's an intranet site, okay, because I think we're, we're venturing away from if I have to support the public internet, then I have all these concerns. But let's venture, like, and I, I agree, let's venture back to we're building line of business apps internally for business. And, you know, uh, as much as IT loved the fact that they could completely stop worrying about installation, upgrade, and upkeep of apps, it shouldn't be that hard. You're saying, why don't why don't we just do that, right? Why don't we just in, just do that with a thick client? But then, just using web technologies, maybe again, the developers don't make it so hard. Like just because a new framework came out, does your intranet line of business app have to take it on? No, does it, it depends on what you're trying to trying to solve. Yeah. And I'm kind of looking more of sort of the best of both worlds. The idea that I could package it up, put it on a server, someone connects to it. There is just enough of a browser that can load it up, fire it off, and then that's what you work with. And I don't need now to then say for my line of business application, well, I need to support Chrome and, and IE and this version of IE. I have this host. And whatever that host is, is my common platform to work with. Again, with Silverlight line of out of browser stuff with Silverlight, you had this. You have it with Flex. There have been other technologies that have sort of tried to adopt this, that sort sure. of download from the web, but also have... Sure. So so what did they give you? So you started out this whole conversation with Silverlight was the perfect technology. Why? Why? What did it What did it give you over what we have today? Now, I'm not okay. talking about five years web developed, no, five no. years ago in web development. Today, I'm talking about today, I have the idea that I have a single platform, .NET on both sides, or variations of .NET on both sides, in my world, because I'm in a .NET world. I have a strong uh, debugging experience because I can use Visual Studio to debug all that Silverlight code right from the browser. I don't need other tools to figure out how to do these things. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, when you get really into details, I could do binary transportation of content back and forth. I had duplexing. Like, I had all the things we're trying to now reinvent for the web. They all existed already for Silverlight. Mm -hmm. And you could deploy an application without a browser and... If you use the out-of-browser support, it felt like you were just magically getting a desktop app to the yeah. user. Yes. Okay, so if I'm using Node today on the server, I've got the same language on the server and the client, right? If I'm using, let's say, Visual Studio Code, I know it's still kind of an immature IDE, but it's gotten getting very good debugger support for JavaScript, for Node. And so I'm using the same tooling to to debug on the server and on the client, right? So I, I get this same experience. I'm not saying it's literally the same as as Silverlight. Okay, but the army of .NET developers maybe wants to stay in .NET. There you go, right? Is so it, but not, isn't that okay? Like That is totally okay. Like I'm not, Microsoft I'm not... might have been a bit too hasty in saying Silverlight has no place in this world. No, it, I think people like Todd were saying, but it does have a place. You gave me a way to deploy an app to my for my line of business customers that supported printing it supported this out of browser experience it was it, we could keep it evergreen like thank you thank you for doing that and 
Well, the fact of the matter is you can go file new project it right now. And yes, I know every developer shakes their head and says, oh, but I, I really can't do that. I don't know. You actually kind of can. It's Compatibility is king in Microsoft platforms. Except it doesn't work at Edge, but that's a whole other problem. <laughs> right. So the reason that Silverlight died yeah, is I guess because that's it's true. a plugin. Right, yeah, it's a that plugin. plugin model is the is the problem. It's the plugin model, right? And the plugin model is supposed to build on top of the web, so it uses the web as a delivery platform, which is why Lob loves it, right? That's why internal yes. apps love it. That's why external apps love it too. But then external apps, publicly available internet facing applications, now need to worry about the broadest browser support possible. Yes. so they don't Those have to worry about to that anymore, cases. right? So if you install Silverlight or Moonlight on Mac you can run my application. That is now the standard platform and I don't have to worry about, about compatibility. But then what about iPhone, right? That is, yeah, well, Steve Jobs I mean, said, not here, right? <laughs> and on Android, how do you run it on Android? It, it, it just, it doesn't work. What is ubiquitous because it's mature? I mean, I'm not saying that's the only reason, but it is ubiquitous for whatever reasons. So that is the platform of the world right now, right? Which makes... Yeah. JavaScript, the language of the world, which is what things like Node.js are embracing. Yeah. But again, I'm kind of thinking about we're, we're still dealing with, which again, we're dealing with the DOM directly. But we're, we're not thinking out of the box and trying to think more about componentization of things and, and layers of abstraction. Ten years from now, you probably will not use, you will definitely won't use jQuery, but you may not even need a lot of these frameworks because a lot more will be built into the browser or built into a framework that's more standard. What specifically? Other than, than web workers and, and uh, well, the parallel web issues. Well, is definitely one area that I think eventually we'll kind of get there. So what problem does that solve that is not solved today? Today, if you want to deal, build complex type of applications with grids or charts, you have to work heavily with the DOM, right? No matter what you're trying to do, you have to, you just have to know about the DOM. Depending on which web component framework you look at, something like a Polymore, they try to hide that more through templating and what they call the shadow DOM or local DOM. I know with Angular, they're creating components. They're, they're trying to make all this different layer of abstraction. So you're just dealing with, I go into my page and I say, I want the grid. And these are all the properties for the grid. I'm not putting a div and then firing up jQuery to grab that div and then bulk in thousands of lines of HTML to make things work. It's just, it's, it's arcane. <laughs> well, certainly, if you add nothing else, then the HTML, CSS, JavaScript group is page-centric, and they all have to know a little bit about the page, where the web component ideal is, I could really work on this component and then use it everywhere, and you get, like, this sort of namespacing type stuff. You don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about some code you write over here accidentally right. <laughs> goes and updates. It's, it's, it's truly modular and componentized. Right, which so we need. Don't bleed I mean, I think we have to Absolutely. get there. So. Absolutely. So, again, if there's like, we use Web Components as an example, there's like 18 different frameworks are doing it today, and none of them are standardized yet. Well, no, it's true. And I think we're feeling out what we want to do, though, right? Because the audience is big. It's not the kind of thing where Microsoft can go squirrel away and say, well, here's our here's our first shot at it. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, that's okay. We'll just kill it and do another one. They're doing the opposite. Although they're, we've done that on the web between Google and Firefox, who's going to who's going to win? <laughs> they're well, going to so support whoever the winner is. That's where frameworks like React are really gaining popularities because they're solving that problem in a different way, right? So you develop all that you really care about is that you develop in that way, right? And so you you say, here's my style for this component that I'm working on, this one file. They also happen to like to 
put the you know use JSX to put the HTML in right in with the JavaScript, which <laughs> a lot of people swear by. I hate, but whatever. You put it all together in, in one thing, whether it's one file or a couple files. It's all one component, and then when React renders that out, it takes care of well. When you said dot customer, right? The customer class, the customer CSS class. What you really meant was component one two three four customer class, right? And it kind of scopes it all for you, so it it helps solve that problem without browser support. Basically, the framework solves it for you, right? So there are these things. I'm not saying they're the answer. I'm not saying React yeah. is the answer. I keep referring to React. From but... a DOM point of view, we are trying to make it easier, right? Because we all understand the pain point when these frameworks make it easier. Yes. But yes. they're only doing one small segment. Yes. We're not dealing with a multi-threaded thing. We're not okay, dealing so what with... else? So I, I completely agree. The DOM, and especially the DOM in in the sense that it is just one giant page, one global page, and it shares everything. And, and in, CSS in is a mess because things, it was all built on You have to constantly keep writing that. to it and talking to it and dealing with things being moving in and out. Yes. It's, it's a complexity with. So other than that... The multi-threading we talked about. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need a multi-threading environment if you're going to build a complex enough UIs. I've felt the pain. <laughs> Across all different platforms. I think we'll write more buggy apps when we get if we get multi threading. I agree. Browser. I think I think that's just a poor UX. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna but, throw, I'm gonna hide under that. <laughs> well in my case, <laughs> these are UX experts saying they want to do these things, so they want a rich experience. Part of the, the challenge we talked about before about iOS, the iOS experience, everyone wants that for everything now. They want to have that responsive type of application. That but, uh, you're, you're, you're throwing out things that don't mean anything. I don't know what an iOS type experience means. Uh, if, you have, well, if you have a user experience that you need so much stuff happening in parallel in the background, I, I think that's almost by definition a, a poor experience. Like, why are you doing so much at that we, point? We'll use, we'll use this, the, the classic version, a stock application, right? You have a, a high-end UI with lots of conditional formatting on different rows and grids, and as data keeps data is flowing in from the servers coming in, you need to start pumping in different rules based on if that stock's going up or down, the trend line, and all these things. You need to be able to see a bunch of charts and real-time yeah. charting. Like yeah. Those are the kind of things I'm talking about. Right, so redrawing the screen is, I, I think, that's probably the Best most part of expensive the pain, yes. thing. Yes, in a, yes. In an efficient way, but then also handling the data coming in and being able to queue up that data while also re-rendering the screen and not having any block. I've done that. I mean, I've, I've done yeah. exactly what we, you're talking about. We've done it with need... like SignalR. <laughs> yes, it's, I've done it with SignalR. It's exactly it. And maybe even WebSockets. I mean, I'm, SignalR sure, was, was on top of WebSockets. but use just WebSockets. But, but that, yeah. that's the, the data coming in. I mean, what kind of volume of data were you talking about? Millions and millions of records? No, because if you're bringing millions of records to the client, that's a bad experience. Yes, that's exactly that's my point. I'll give you an example. It's it's more about like the the not the volume of records, the amount of records coming in. So every second, more data is coming, more data is coming, more data is coming. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. Why is it coming to the client? Because the user, the person looking at this, cannot comprehend all of that change. So I'm why are you doing? I can't, that, I can't give right? you the exact reason. I just built enough of these applications to know. That's the experience they want. Okay, if you fill a screen with stock quotes and stop tickers and you're updating it and changing it, then you may run into some problems, but it's certainly well, not going to be with the parallelism, right? Maybe you're be with using the, the wrong frameworks. Treat it right. like a game. Treat <laughs> right. it like a game and right. use WebGL. Right, right. I, honestly, I'm, I'm being dead serious here. Treat it like a game and, and use WebGL and you, every, every 60th of a second, take your current state of the world and blast it up there. That's what I would do as a web game developer. 
There you go. And could we could we make that statement five years ago? Was WebGL in, in a mature enough no, state? It, it, no. Right. So, it's but grown so, now, right. and yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like this conversation five years ago, or even maybe two years ago, might have been drastically different. But my fundamental assertion right now is that the foundation, the the the, the lowest common denominator, as you call it, Todd, has risen up so high that the web is an incredibly valid development platform right now. I, I still think we were settling. We're, we're 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 trying to jam in a a square thing in a certain a round hole. By definition, we're, we are settling, and that's how we're supporting the broadest possible amount of devices. But maybe that's not necessarily the most important thing. Maybe we should be focusing on solving the business problems we should be trying to solve, and not just settling because the framework is easy to use. Well, if you're talking about a public website, then that is part yes. of the business problem is Again, to support. We're talking about public websites. That's an entirely different set of use cases. Well, why than not to play a, a thick client then? And, and I'll tell you, I think sometimes business is too quick to dismiss the thick client. Why not deploy a thick client? Just because they've told they've told you, like as the consultant, ah, we want it on the web. Yeah, or, right. no, or I mean, people have this expectation of building web applications that behave like desktop apps. It's, I've built these apps for the last four or five years. I know the pain points. And sometimes I really wonder, like, well, why didn't they just ask for a desktop app then? Because the deployment still sucks. It's sure. The yeah. version or management still sucks. they have cases sucks. where they don't necessarily, they want to be able to say, tomorrow these 100 users go start using this application. Just give a link. Don't even do things. I've worked in a number of cases where <laughs> they do the, the hybrid approach. They host Citrix in a web browser. Oh, God, I know. Which is really, really fun. <laughs> you log into a web browser and you get a Citrix. Yeah. And that's slower than just writing a web yeah. app. And then yeah. they host the desktop app through it's, that. And yeah, it's, like, it's crazy slow. Again, maybe my experience is a little different than your guys, but those are the kind of things that people have been asking me to build. They're asking me to build these, I call them rich experiences or rich internet applications. They're not your content sites. They're not your CRUD-type applications. They are very intense applications that have a lot of things going on on the UI. Yeah, if Unity and 5 building these in if the desktop, Unity 5 can output to WebGL and I can run a first person shooter in in Firefox. Yes. Then we have the technology. It's that our business developers are still thinking DOM and yes. look and I'm going to sit and say it is maybe we've got to maybe for these real time high performance applications we got to say this is actually a game. Yeah, I I definitely know with like some of the charting stuff, we've actually started to look at WebGL. There are some weird behaviors, I think. I don't work on the charts, so I don't know the exact details. But I do know that that's some of the things we've been talking about, or SVG, of offering a way to for the developer to say, you know what, I don't want to work on a canvas. I want to work in a WebGL experience or SVG experience. Yes. The problem is, well, WebGL will probably handle lots of things. SVG, if you put more than yeah. 10,000 items on a chart, all of a sudden SVG just falls apart. Yeah. Um, again, it really depends on the application you're working on, what you're doing. Again, I'm kind of looking at it as as an architect. We need to start thinking about how we take it from where we are now to where we need to go because we these problems have been solved before on other platforms. The the use cases and the problems are solved. The I just web don't think have them today. I don't think the difference is that far. I don't think it's that far from where we are and where we need to go. I think we're more or less there. I agree with you. The DOM, right? I think the DOM is the number one thing right now. That is what makes things slow. Um, that and the fact that, as you alluded to earlier, Chris, you know the 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 mobile devices, in particular Apple and iOS, deliberately slow down their. Uh, they're, they're at least they're embedded browsers in an application, right? And they have no real incentive to make their browser applications run really fast because they want you to run applications. But that aside, 
I mean, the, the DOM is the slowest thing. Painting and rendering is the slowest thing. But that's because right now, at this point in time still, the DOM is still really stupid in terms of what it needs to repaint. And that's where thing, we look at things like Shadow DOM. Yeah. Right, where you paint these things off screen where you're not really painting them, and then you only paint the differences. So that splits the difference between what you're talking about, Chris, which is let's just jump all the way down into a graphics engine, right? And we're yeah. we're painting pixels. And so it splits the difference. We write, but we write to a virtual screen and it figures out what the pixels are that need to yeah. update. Well, I mean, what's being built right now, I think whether it's being built by framework or it's being built by committee is, okay, we all know that we want to move on from the DOM, but partially because Microsoft's on the committee and they always insist on backward compatibility. I mean, they have been the arch enemy of throwing stuff away on the web because they say it's got to be backward compatible. And they're not the only ones, but they're big right. on it. Right. So they're the, the one they have the investment. <laughs> right. We've got to come up with a way that's – we've got to come up with a new system. This is what Shadow DOM kind of is, right? Is It's backward compatible. It can go talk to the DOM for us. And then eventually someday, and this could go for all of our frameworks, frankly, I really do believe this is like, let's say, let's just like imagine a world where something like Shadow DOM or Angular or React, let's say it won, right? Like, like it has such huge adoption. Well, then what's going to stop a browser vendor from saying, let's stop making our developers ship down that framework. Let's make it native now. Now, I don't know if that day is going to arrive soon. And the reason why I don't think is because I think even Angular, I think they're all still in a rapid maturing state. Like we're getting Angular 2 soon. And I'm telling you, the moment Angular 2 hits, web developers are going to be saying, we can do better. And and, and we're starting on Shadow DOM is a spec. It's an HTML spec. It's not a framework. That is what is emerging. It's not. It's not standard by any means at all right now. But like but... React's concept of their shadow, of their virtual sure, DOM. Right, their right? virtual DOM. I yeah. agree with you. There is the W3, like shadow DOM. Yeah. Right? And and yeah, that's our way forward. So let's get this working, and then maybe someday we can strip this away. Yes. Yeah. And that's the, way, that's the way it's going to move, I think. I mean, I really do. And again, for the DOM, eventually I think we'll get there. Well, I think I'm pretty confident web components will happen in some form. What framework would ever become popular? It was to be determined, but that's still just one piece. I'm getting to go back to the multi-threading because that's just a pain point I've dealt with. Multi-threading, memory management. Have you guys ever tried to figure out how the garbage collector works in the browser? Well, a lot of people don't know how the .NET one works either. I, right. I, understand, I understand they might not know it. It doesn't <laughs> mean they have to not worry problems, about it. problems, right? Like, they're not But all of a sudden you have thousands problems. of objects to deal with and you have to be like, hey, before I magically hide this part of this div and, and now throw this other thing up here. I need to make sure all this memory goes away before I do that. Yeah. Object that These are real problems that I've dealt just with. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Object pooling, right? Like right. You, you can get into that place where you're allocating so much that maybe you need to consider an object pool or consider something that helps you like in, in scripting and scripting helps you get there. It says, Hey, I'll object pool for you. Or you're relying on Angular to clean up itself and eventually oh, and it doesn't. they're <laughs> not, you know, traditionally they weren't very good at it. I maybe it's better in two. I don't know. So we also have uh, – we've got uh, – our, actually, our previous guest, Matt Hornsby, is over in our Q&A section. Just, I can hear him screaming. Yes. So he says, the browser is a great platform, a great development platform for that browser. What about testing every browser on every device in the world like when yeah. working on very large retail websites? I would say first the answer is true. And second, the answer is if you didn't make a website, you have the problem anyway because now you've got to build an iOS app, an Android app, a- 
I agree. It's, you it's still just have a the different problem, problem right? The, the problem is the fact that when you build an Android app, it's one Android app. It's not oh, well, which Android browser? No, no, no. Which Android? No, 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 no. Which Android device is it going to work on? <laughs> there well, no, is no that, such I mean, thing as an Android app or one Android operating system. We've got a very good like. Okay, I don't care what platform you want. What is the physical device you want to put Samsung this with these specs? We will. Test Do you it. want it to work on a Kindle Fire? Which yeah, Kindle Fire? How far We're back? Gonna, we'll, We'll we'll deal with them when the problem comes up. Right. You need to specify. Should it work on a Roku? Should right. it work on a? <laughs> no. I mean, or, oh my god! Amazon Fire? Yes. No. Should it work on a what Fire are the Stick? Physical devices, and we actually got to the point where we're like, you will buy the devices for us and send it to us, and those are what we'll test with. I couldn't it's, believe it's Wild West. I mean, I don't. Right. Android is the it's the web browser of of mobile platforms, right? It's the i six of mobile platforms. <laughs> because I mean, when I did an Android app, I was absolutely I was stunned by how much I had to think about the API surface I wanted to support, needed to support. Yep. You know, would have pleasurable to support, hate myself for supporting, like all of those things. Do they have can I use dot com for Android? God. <laughs> no, it was awful. It was awful. Now look, you know, praise Apple maybe for saying take control, take control of the device and and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you moving unless you haven't bought a phone in a while and then I'm just gonna screw you. Or, or an <laughs> iPad. The iPad's even more. I will tell you right now right, that right. I have a major pet peeve, and this isn't just Apple, this is every device vendor. For, we have evergreen browsers on our desktops, but we can't have them on mobile. Yeah. And is yeah. there a real reason for that other than that? Well, you know, uh, it's time for you to buy a new phone. You got to inject some cash into our ecosystem. Yeah. yeah well, because every, every app store auto updates anyway. You can turn that on, right? So for apps, it's not a technical apps, problem. Right. Why, why would I encourage you to build great mobile websites when I can get you to build apps that I take a cut from? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm being cynical, but the incentive will guide. Even if you are true blue, awesome engineers working at, at, at Apple and Google, I love the mobile web. I, I, I crave the mobile web. Your your employer <laughs> has a business case for not making the mobile web succeed. Yeah, it's it's an invisible guiding principle. So to kind of bring us back to JavaScript and the web browser and stuff. So. What are your guys' thoughts? Like, what do you see things like web components and WebAssembly solving this problem? It's going to fall flat on their face, and we're going to kind of still work with jQuery and and like Angular frameworks five years from now. Like, what what do you see as we've talked about the problems? What is ultimately yeah. the solution? Well, so, I think the I think the final two pieces of of the puzzle that are still not as mature as everything else, or or just completely immature, are web components, a, a modular component driven thing where I can make changes to one section and not worry about it bleeding out into other things. Um, so, I mean, I can sum that up by web components, or rather, web components solves that problem. So, if we had web components, it wouldn't be as difficult. I think the web component spec as it's defined today is pretty much dead on the vine. Whether or not it can be kind of reinvigorated and actually implemented successfully, that's yet to be seen. I I kind of feel like unless uh, unless Microsoft and Google in particular really start kind of reinvigorating it and talking seriously about it, I think it's pretty much dead. But something has to take its place. We have to well, solve Angler, that Angler problem. Angular 2 going to take its place. In the no, vacuum. no, 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 no. That's a, that's a framework, right? I mentioned that, yeah, React has the virtual DOM, which kind of solves a similar problem. But it, it, it cannot be a framework thing. It has to be in the browser. The browser has to solve the issue. The browser vendors are afraid now, though. 
What? I mean, see how they've all pulled back and said, we're not implementing anything until another browser does it? When yeah, well, there sure. was a well, time when they wouldn't do that. On, on the Microsoft <laughs> blog, on the Internet Explorer blog, they flat out said the way that IE and kind of the reason that we're killing IE is because the way that it's implemented, the way that it's architected, literally could never support an implementation sure. of, of yeah. web components, of specifically sure. the Shadow DOM, right? Um, but the, the Shadow DOM is the web components as a, as a whole, and actually Shadow DOM is kind of falls under the umbrella of web components, or at least it's required for web components to work. Shadow DOM falls uh, solves the other problem, which is that the DOM is just incredibly slow. Specifically, repainting the screen um, is is very slow, and so those are the two issues that I've run into most frequently in my web development that have still uh, gotten me very frustrated. I mean, Todd, you 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 mentioned earlier that the the number of frameworks available. You kind of said it as a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think you that gives you choice. But there are a couple of clear, quote, winners, or at least the ones that are way ahead of the pack. So if you want to choose one that has very strong support, you, you've got several to choose from, and they're probably not going away anytime soon, and you'll be able to get plenty of support for them. If you want to choose a more specialized one, you, you've you've got that as well, right? Um so there's plenty of frameworks and there's choose your poison, right? So there's there's an MVC framework or something that pretends to be an MVC framework. I'm not going to get into that right now, but <laughs> you know, there's Angular and especially I'm I'm especially excited about Angular 2 that encourages component-based design, like the design itself, right? The 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 framework drives component-based design. And then you have React, which isn't even an MVC framework at all. It's really just the view part of the framework, but it does that so well that you you tie that with just a little bit of of uh of ajax calls and a little bit of kind of state management and you've got a working application so in other words that framework emphasizes the view so much and so well that it really kind of lessens the need for any kind of a model or controller in the background right and then you know things like Bootstrap is the, the the grid layout of the web. It's the de facto winner. Yes, there are plenty of others out there, but the reason that designers hate Bootstrap so much is because every site looks like Bootstrap. The reason yeah. every site looks like Bootstrap is because it's awesome, right? It works. <laughs> and developers can just use it and they don't have to be designers. Not all developers would agree with you on that statement. <laughs> not all developers? Yes, would agree with well, you. Like not all developers will agree on, on anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you the one thing I do like about it is that you can just use the pure CSS bootstrapped and strip out the stuff you're not using. And you've at least you're not taking down stuff you don't need. Cause that's the thing that does yeah. bug me about frameworks is if I, if I take a dependency on a big framework, whether I don't care what it is, Angular, React, maybe Aurelia, and I don't use part of it, I'm still. I'm still eating it. I'm eating the uh, download costs. I'm eating. That's the design again. That that's that's any platform, right? So that's the design oh, no, of the that, framework. That problem doesn't go away with .NET. Yeah. I take the whole full framework to sure. do a hello world. That's back. where yes. that's where <laughs> frameworks like jQuery UI they put a huge emphasis in that. Like, oh, pick your point. What do you want to do? Are you going to use this yeah. component? This component? This component? Right? And you could kind of pick a la carte. It's a Chinese menu. You say, yeah, I'm going to take these five. Right? Yeah. So that's that's just how the framework implements it. That's not really anything having to do with the platform. So I think it's a really good option. I think one thing we can come back to is we we sort of talked touched on JavaScript, and I honestly think it's a whole other show to say, okay, now let's compare JavaScript development to some options that are out there today, like 
Web, well, WebAssembly on its way, LLVM and Scripten, something else, Dart, uh, quit transpiling, or gosh, I wish we just had C++. Like, you know, that's like a whole other conversation that we have TypeScript. Yeah. TypeScript's no, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm dead serious. But that's the transpiling solution. But again, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's the same thing as the question of the browser as an app delivery platform versus. No. I mean, no, is no. that what you're saying, Todd? No. Is what you're saying is like, it doesn't have to be Silverlight. But if we had uh, something. Cordova. Use Cordova as a perfect example. If I could run Cordova as a, as a not as something I deploy, physically install your, your device or your PC, but I could go tell someone, here, download this Cordova package. And then there was just enough stuff it could download it and then run it in IE, we'll say, or Chrome, whatever it would be. Isn't that like, isn't that like UWP? Like, go to the store and get my app, and it's gonna work and install and uninstall cleanly. Isn't that it? To a to a degree, but I still need to write that as a UWP app, not as a web app. I don't understand. Because well, are you, are you arguing for the browser as a platform? Because Cordova is a browser based platform. It is. It, it's sort of like I want. Cordova or even like something like Electron, I want to sign a, a, I kind of want two things, right? I want a host that's not necessarily a physical browser to use or uses to navigate the web. Yeah. And then I want a common framework that you will just, you work with that common framework. You do X, I want to show a dialogue window. Right. So you, you have that, right? So if you, if you take away the navigation of the browser, and I know that's easier said than done, but like if you ignore the URL, if you ignore the back button and the refresh button and everything, and you just use the browser window as your host, you've got your host and your common API is the DOM, specifically the HTML APIs that are becoming more and more standard. And the core ones that are your 80, 90% use case, they are standard, at least standard enough. And then you've got J- uh, JavaScript is is your language, or if you want to raise that up a level, you've got TypeScript. But again, those are they're not solving the problem. They're just other band aids on top. If I had a, if, like I said, I used Dialog Windows as an example because that was something I was looking up. In any, we're talking about .NET or, or even I guess Java. It's been a while since I've done Java. You have a dialog class. I don't have that in the JavaScript world, right? I have to create a div. <laughs> I have an alert. <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's a message box. That's not a. What are you talking about? Dialogue. Bootstrap has a standard dialogue class. Just yeah, that. Bootstrap does, and, and Angular does, and jQuery does, and all of a sudden well, I have. I'll tell you what ones. is kind of nice about the current model is that today you you have Bootstrap as a de facto standard, and then when you find that you like something else, you don't have to wait for browsers to implement it. Right. Yeah. Because the the problem we're always going to have is even if we came up with that common, let's say we came up with that unified thing, and it was awesome. And it made it into the evergreen browsers and the next versions of all the phones. Well, the phones are going to get stale. We already know that. Uh, it looks like the desktop browsers are trying to keep us up to date. That's cool. But then the phones are going to get stale. So now I have to invent something to let me write code once and run on all the phones too. Right. Unless we can somehow change that world, that devices well, I mean, that, don't get again, stale. I'm not trying to solve all the world's problems. I'm just looking at it. The current pain point of what I've dealt with the last few years. Is I it just have... multi-threading? Because you keep coming. Well, that's <laughs> one of the pain points. <laughs> Back to that. Well, I was using that as an example other than the dumb. But you are using Cordova as an example of it done right. There's at least what it sounded like. And I'm pointing out that is a browser platform. That's a browser development platform. So I don't understand what... As it, for the host part, yes. It is. It is a host. Even yeah. if you talk about UWP, I could use WinJS. Those are host... Right. Oh, man, you can use UWP with your web app. I'm telling you, I've done it. Like, you don't have to change anything. 
that's the thing I, I show people all the time is like, there's this impression out there. And I know we're, boy, I don't know how we got on UWP. Probably my <laughs> fault. That was my fault, right? But, yes, you and uh, People have this impression out there that, no, 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 UWP JavaScript is some different special thingy. Well, it is when you want to get into Windows specific stuff. Right. That a browser could have no possible conception of like your user folder. But if you aren't doing that, you just go <laughs> index HTML and use the framework of your choice and it works and, and it's downloadable from the store and whatever. Yeah. Again, but then I have to download from the store or from Cordova. That's still kind of the store model. I, I kind of want the best of both worlds. I really, again, where's I'm it going to download from? I mean, it, and again, there's a, there's a solution to not download from the store now. Yeah. It wasn't that way in Windows 8 timeframe, but there is now. I, again, I guess I'm, the reason why I bring it up is I'm saying, isn't that your answer? Because you were saying I might just be on one platform, like, okay, which I agree with you. Maybe it doesn't have to be multi-platform. Maybe it can just be Windows. Maybe we can select our operating system. Maybe we can select our quote-unquote browser. We'll scratch the word browser out and say it'll be UWP apps, and we'll deploy them in the enterprise fashion. My point is, as a architect, when I look at these problems, I see lots of frameworks and lots of solutions, but they're all kind of all over the place, and I have to pick and choose what I want. Which is good and bad. I won't disagree with you. It's, it's a good thing in some cases. But as a person that then has to go help people build systems on top of this stuff, it's a, it's a barrier for entry. It's a huge barrier for entry. It's, a lot of, it's just a lot of complexity that gets added. And it makes it harder to build the apps. And that isn't significantly different than any other development platforms. That's my final. <laughs> <laughs> final argument is no different. <laughs> It's immature compared to this other platform. Well, right. So like, well, that, try that's... to use .NET to build on every device, right? You, what do you, you have your Xamarin solution, then you have your thick client well, again, solution. Yeah, we're not and... doing that. <laughs> so, again, it really depends on your use case, what you're trying to do. Yeah, look, I agree, Todd, that sometimes <laughs> the browser can be a sad place to live and you want to cry. I, I get it. I get it. But, you know, what? what I the hope that I see in it is that it's the only tool that we have to fight against uh, vendor lock-in in hardware. Because as much as a particular vendor wishes that you use their apps and their app stores, they've still got to have some base level of mobile web support or people will bail. Yeah. And, and I think that's our wedge. That's our wedge to say, we're still going to have an open platform and nobody's going to lock us in. I really think that's the key. Yeah. And you, listener, what do you think? Is the browser an amazing development platform or do you just basically hate every minute that you're working in it? Uh, <laughs> do you have any tips or ways to think about browser-based development that help make it easier or more enjoyable? We'd love to know. Please leave a comment on the website, staticvoidpodcast.com, or send an email to comments at staticvoidpodcast.com. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please feel free to let us know through those same channels. We want to make sure that we're talking about the things that you want to hear about. So, Todd, Chris, thanks for the chat, yep. as always. <laughs> yes. And thank you, listener, for spending the time with us. We hope that you enjoyed it, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Static Boy Podcast. <laughs>